This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Welcome into the post 4th of July weekend episode. I hope you're having a great summer. I hope you had a great 4th of July. I hope you're staying cool as well. I know it's hot where I'm at. I'm sure it's hot where you are. We have a hot one for you as we move away from Spirits 101 into Craft Beer 101, Craft Beer 101 on Tasting Notes with Kevin Patterson. We'll learn about IPAs this week and we'll be learning about different beer styles all July long. Then we'll get back into the spirits world in August with Cocktails 101 and Whiskey 101 in September. Those have been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and for our conversation this week we talk with country musician charlie berry he's got a new single out it's a great song this is a great episode and uh let's not wait around and have some fun it's almost time where did i where where did i put those here they are (laughs) it's time for tasting notes joining us here for tasting notes and we've completed our spirits 101 course and now we are on to craft beer 101 and we welcome back kevin patterson a cicerone national beer judge he's also the manager of the craft beer or the beer trap craft beer store and bar in lexington kevin thanks for joining us thank you for having me jonathan i'm glad to be back on well we i always appreciate it because as i told jake in spirits 101 i learned so much and you know, I th- you always think you know a lot, a lot about something until you actually talk to an expert and, and uh, someone that do, does this for a living. And, you know, with your title as manager of the Beer Trap, you're also Cicerone. You're very well versed in beer. And one of the probably the most popular beer out there is the IPA, top selling craft beer, uh, you know, for I don't know how many years running now. So what is an IPA? Yeah, IPAs are the most popular style of beer that's out there. Uh, there's some other styles that give no run for its money right now, but IPA is king. Um, any brewery that's out there, if they're going to make 25 or 30 beers, then 100 of those will be an IPA. Uh, popularity just never seems to wane. But when we talk about IPAs, really we're talking about any beer that has a dominant hop characteristic. And traditionally, that hop characteristic was thought to be bitterness. Um, if you didn't have a bitter IPA, then it wasn't an IPA. But some of the newer IPAs are kind of challenging that because IPAs really have three things you got to consider. Of course, bitterness is there, but also there's hop flavor and hop aroma. And some of the newer IPAs are they're trying to challenge the notion that it has to be bitter, that the hop aroma and hop flavor can take the lead when it comes to IPAs. And so the exciting part about it, it shows that there's a, a tremendous amount of variety when you don't just focus on one facet, but you look at all three and maybe let some of them play a bigger role. Um, but it's also hindering in that they've become so popular now. It seems like everything wants to be a little bit more aromatic, want to be a little bit more flavorful. And they've really arranged the recipe completely to cater to that. So now there's some fans that prefer the bitter stuff. They're having a hard time finding new products on the market that will allow that bitterness to shine like they used to. And I, and I was going to say, I mean, when someone says a traditional IPA, which, you know, IPA Indian Pale Ale, what, that is more of that bitter. Like it, Lexington, where, where I'm based in, in, in New York as well, you know, that I think of the West Six IPA. You know, it's a very traditional, classic IPA. I mean, is that if they ask for a traditional IPA, that's probably what they're going to get, right? It depends on how far back in tradition you want to reach. Uh, of course, the English, they had the versions of IPAs that kind of catered to the India trade route. Um, but then once the Americans, some of our early pioneers in America brewery, like the brewers of uh, Great Lakes, of um, uh, Founders and some of those guys, 
uh, Sierra Nevada, uh, Boston Beer Company, uh, Jim Cook. Uh, those guys found inspiration from some of those old recipes that they had found, so they made their versions, which did taste a lot like English IPAs because there's no common history to draw from, so they look back a couple of hundred years prior to those recipes. So if you reach back really far in tradition, then a lot of our IPAs would taste a little bit more what we call the Midwestern IPA, which does have a leading hop characteristic, but also has a lot of malt backbone with it as well. So there's some similar balance. Once that style traveled to the West Coast and the ingredients were harder to get from Europe and they weren't fresh, they decided let's cultivate some of this stuff ourselves. And that's where the West Coast hops came into play. And that's whenever the folks out there like those flavors so well, they're like, well, let's just see how dominant we can make the bitterness. And so that's when they try to dry the beer out excessively with very little malt backbone and extreme hot bitterness. And that's when people start saying, I don't think I like IPAs because they just taste like pine salt and cannabis and these sort of things. And that was off-putting to some folks. And so that was the West Coast IPA that really rang true really for the last 20 years up until the hazy stuff came along. And I was going to say, I mean, if someone hears the, the, the term of West Coast style IPA, what are they getting these days? The West Coast IPA is the most out of balance style of any beer that's out there. Uh, and it's intentionally that way. In, in that regard, you're trying to use the mashing process, the malting process, and some other brewing techniques to try to minimize the effects of the malt. So that the hop characteristic, especially the bitterness, can stand out to the greatest degree, making it the most out of balance style there is. So you're looking at excessive hop bitterness and very low malt contribution. You will always need a little bit of a malt uh, to keep the beer from basically being an alcoholic hop tea. Um, but however, people think they want just a bone dry West Coast IPA. And the fans that like those styles, they probably like the beer because of its dry, refreshing, crisp, clean characteristic more so than even like the bitterness. It just so happens the bitterness comes along with it. And then you, you kind of touched on this because as we continue to look at and, and talk about IPAs on our next one, we'll, we'll look further in at the, the, the very styles that have come along here recently. But you know, you hear, you, there's also other styles of IPA that kind of play off of that, a traditional one. You know, I, I think of like a double and a triple. What are those and, and, and what should people probably expect with those yeah one of the fun stories that i have with customers is they'll come in you know my friends they all like these bitter ipas i can't seem to get into them what should i try to help bridge that gap and i said well you should try an imperial ipa like are you crazy i don't like the regular ones why do i want a stronger one <laughs> well the deal is is you can't make an imperial ipa any more bitter than you can a standard strength ipa but along with that extra malt that it takes to boost the alcohol also comes with some residual sweetness that helps take the edge off of that bitterness. So you do get more honey, more caramel, more graham cracker character, a little bit more of a bread crust caramelization that comes along with it that takes away from the hot bitterness just a little bit to make it a little bit more palatable for the people who think that the West Coast IPA is too piney, too resinous, too grassy. And you, you, when you say an imperial IPA, Obviously, that's a higher ABV, correct? Yes, that usually whenever I refer to imperial strength beers, it usually starts around 8% alcohol because that's whenever the yeast has a hard time metabolizing as much of the available sugars, they do it out lower alcohol ranges or lower malt contribution ranges. So you just get more sweetness left in the beer at higher alcohol ranges. And that's needed because it, at 8% alcohol, that's whenever the, the flavor of the alcoholic cell starts to make an impact on uh, on the culinary art of the beer. 
that's whenever you need other things to help balance that out a little bit too. That extra sweetness, the extra body. And a lot of breweries at that point, they'll, okay, we can't add more bitterness to the beer, but can we make the beer more hoppy in general? And the answer is yes, you can. You can do that through some dry hopping stages that happen after fermentations happen. Uh, when you add hops at that point, that's whenever the alcohol uh, in the IPA can act as a stripping agent and start to strip some of those hop aromatics, hop flavors, and maybe a little bit of bitterness too at that point. Um, so you actually contain more hop characteristic with those dry hop stages without actually making the beer any more bitter. And then, you know, if someone goes to a brewery and does see, you know, a double IPA or a triple IPA, what does that mean? Because, I mean, that's still an imperial IPA for the most part. Yeah, they're all semantics. They're all referring to an imperial IPA. It seems like if you go between the ranges of, let's say, 8%, or even now sometimes people will dance in that 75 7.8% range, and they'll go up to about 9.5. That's when they call them a double IPA. When you reach 10% or higher, 10.5 maybe or higher, that's when they call them triple IPAs. Now, I've actually seen some breweries that 12 and a half start to call them something like quadruple IPAs. And <laughs> it's 100% marketing, but it does give you an indication of how strong the beer is supposed to be. Now, there's a little bit of a misnomer called some people also the twice as strong as the standard strength. No, not necessarily. They're just stronger to some extent. I, I love that. And, and as we continue on in, in this series, you know, here in uh, July, we'll, we'll talk about those new styles of IPAs. We'll also hit some sours and gothas and, of course, the ever-loving lager. And, uh, Kevin, I appreciate you sharing a little bit of knowledge on, on the IPAs and, and giving us that good background. Thank you, Jonathan. Happy to do it. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at Spirits. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations is country musician and songwriter Charlie Berry. Charlie, welcome in. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you joining me. I, I know you're you're enjoying a little, I think, downtime, and, and I'm glad you could uh, spend a little bit of that with me. I am, yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if you could call it vacation, but I'm down here with family in my hometown. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been a good week. Good. Awesome, awesome. Now, because this is called Bar Conversations, part of Hops and Spirits, I always have to ask this. Are you drinking anything good tonight? And I've got a little whiskey, a little, little beer barrel bourbon out of New Holland, Michigan. So uh, you got anything nice. good or are you behaving yourself? You're, you're in Kentucky and you import your whiskey from well, other there's states? A reason, uh, well, I, I have a variety, but also, just so you know, one of the reasons I decided to go with the beer barrel one is because july for my show is craft beer 101 and then in the tasting notes section so i'm playing a little bit off of that that's my excuse okay nice okay <laughs> i like it i like it yeah i have a uh, an ice water so it going could, for the I heavy hitting stuff boring could not be worse <laughs> now do you enjoy a, an occasional drink or, or do you have a, a drink of choice when you you do go that route or, or do you behave yourself 24 you know i've actually been sober for three and a half years or so um <clears throat> but I was I was happy with just about anything <laughs> back in the day. I I can understand that. Now, yeah, I, you know, I, I I I talked back to back a while ago with uh, Jacob Bryant, and you know he he's behaving himself these days as as well. And do you enjoy like? But he still ha likes to go out after maybe some of the non-alcoholic beers or something like that. Do you do any of those, or are you just like, yeah, I got water and, and and stuff like that, and I'm good. You know, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty simple guy, you know? So 
and also I also my personality it's like I need it, it's gonna be the real thing or nothing you know um, I don't do like uh, you know it, uh, it's like vegan bacon or something it's like it's just like yeah <laughs> you know I want the real thing yeah, or nothing at all there's gotta be something else you know there's gotta be something else and uh, it's like all the bloating but none of the fun uh, yep all the calories none of the fun yeah exactly that, that make, I get you make a valid point. You make a good exactly. argument there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, I love, I love coffee and I love water. That's honestly, that's about all I drink. Well, now, do do you go like all in on the coffee? Like, have all sorts of varieties and things like that? Or are you just going down to the store and picking up a, a coffee black? Okay, so, <laughs> so I got recently uh, the band I hired to go to uh, Chicago with me to play Joe's Joe's Bar up there. Um, they are all. I would say coffee snobs. They would say like <laughs> enthusiasts, you know, or something like that. But um, so I, I've been like, I was like, y'all want to go to Starbucks? And like <laughs> the van erupts. I'm like, no, you know, so they're, they're like way into the like, where is it from? What's the, you know, all of those things. And so I got a little bit, I got a little taste of that and I thought it was cool. Um, but I haven't put in the time yet. I, I was going to say my wife is getting into that a little bit more. I, because uh, she had like a couple things we'd gone to Costa Rica she'd brought back some coffee beans and gone to a couple other places around town where they you know sell sell coffee beans and she had it but never did anything with it because we didn't have anything to so I finally for Christmas got her a uh, coffee grinder and she's been Love enjoying it. that and uh, uh, now we have uh, about six or seven bags of coffee beans so nice <laughs> be careful you could go down okay, a, yeah yeah uh, down the rabbit <laughs> hole and next thing you know you're just coffee beans everywhere you get in deep really quick <laughs> yeah you know, did, did, now did that also happen with you with uh, TikTok? Because you look like you have a lot of fun on TikTok uh, yeah, with I your do. videos. <laughs> and I mean, I, I love the uh, Father's Day one. Did, was that yes. hard for you to pull off, or did you have all of that ready to go? Well, okay, so I was like, it was you know three in the afternoon. I was like, I need to post something, and I walked in and uh, found my wife, and I said, Hey, I. I need I need you to like take a couple videos of me doing dad stuff, and she and it was kind of her idea. She was I was like, what should I do? And she's like, you know, uh, we need to get mowing the lawn, the thermostat, you checking the tires, and uh, and grilling or whatever. And I had a couple others, and she was like, no, those aren't gonna, that's not gonna fly. I was like, okay. So yeah, she she helped me out with that, and she was the the camera woman for that, and it in uh, and quality control as well. So. It's been I, fun. I, I love throwing those things together. I was going to say, I, I love that one. That was a lot of fun. I also have to ask, um, did you ever find the pool at the motel? I mean, I just want to know, was there ever a no. pool at that motel? <laughs> <laughs> if there, hey, man, if there, if there was even a motel, I didn't see it. You know, it's like, uh, for some context, I did a photo shoot out at the, uh, out at this, for, I guess it used to be a motel. I mean, I know it used to be a motel, but it's it's since been torn down. But there's a really cool neon sign that that we took pictures in front of, uh, and it says uh, there are phone. It's, it said something about like phone. There are phones in the room. <laughs> you don't even have to go to the front desk to use the phone, which is great. And then there's a pool, so all all the modern amenities you could dream of. Uh, so apparently, this was a great place back in the day. I was gonna say it's it's definitely a throwback to a, a different different time. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, when when you're coming up with stuff or, or sharing stuff, I mean, is it ever awkward for you, or is it just a lot of fun and a way to kind of just, you know, do something a little different? 
with TikTok and stuff. Yeah. It's completely awkward. <laughs> it's completely awkward. I'm, I, I'm definitely getting used to it. I think, you know, it, it, it's almost easier to do the thing like the Father's Day video or playing a song or something like that. What really was, again, it's getting better, but like what was really tough for me is like just talking. No one else is around and you're just talking, you know, to, to the to your phone or whatever, that felt so weird to me. And uh, it's just something I had to get used to, you know, but but uh, I think having a positive response from it helps. Watching it connect with people really helps. And it's like, okay, it's, it's worth the awkwardness to like give a piece of myself to, to the audience. You know, you know, it's like, that's, that's worth it for me. But yes, absolutely very awkward. Like, is that what I look like when I talk? Like, should I work on this? <laughs> you're doing great you're doing great Thanks. and and, and, and it, like you. i said it was it, it was a lot of fun to kind of just scroll scroll through and you also share a lot about i think your life and stuff on social media and your your dad you got a four-year-old daughter correct yeah i am what, yeah what, what, what's that like i mean uh, i've got a three and a half year old so what do i got to look forward to it just keeps getting better man it's really it's it's amazing you know and there there are we're kind of going through one right now, but there are little phases where they just leap forward in, in development. And it's like you, you'll go in and they'll wake up one day and they, and they walk in, there's just more of them there. It's just like, it's like, I can see that there's, it's just whatever the essential thing about a human is about that human, you know, about my daughter, her personality. It's like, I can tell there's more of it there today. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it just, you know, by degrees it ends up, you, you end up getting more and more. And honestly, I, I love getting to know her as, as she's growing up and uh, we have a great time. Do, do you ever have that moment where you're like, where in the world did you just learn that word and or yeah. what that means? Because you're like, you talk to the teacher. No, we never talked about that. You're like, well, I yeah. never showed her anything. How did she learn about brachiosauruses yeah. and become obsessed with dinosaurs? That That is <laughs> happening a lot lately. That is happening a lot, yes. Okay, that's good. That is better. like a good one. Like you just can't. I, we're definitely in the phase where you can't. You got to really watch what you say. Yes, because it's all <laughs> getting absorbed. You know. So, but yeah, I'm fine with Brachiosaurus. <laughs> my my favorite was some of the other words when she was a little younger. Not even trying to say bad words, but you know, fox. Yeah, that didn't yeah, sound good. And I was I was a little <laughs> I was a little nervous when she went to to school. Yeah. Now, now, does she do you do you play your music for her? And what and what does she think of of what dad dad does for a living? I try to, <laughs> I try to. So, well, she, she does know a few of my songs. She'll scream, "Be somebody tonight!" You know, over my new song or whatever. That's actually one of the things that clued me in. Like, okay, I thought it was a good hook, but I know for sure because like she caught on before. You know, the first time through, she was screaming it by the end. So. I knew I had something, but but uh, I wrote a song for her. Uh, I guess it was this year, a couple months ago, and um, I wanted to play it for her. So I walked in and I and I was like, uh, I told my wife, I was like, you you should this is gonna be so special. You should probably <laughs> film this, <laughs> and you probably know where this is going. But it's like I started playing it. And she flips out like, "Stop, stop! That is not the song we're singing." I was like, "I, I wrote this for you. I'd love, I'd love to play it for you." And she's like, putting her hands on the strings. She's like, "I am singing. 
and I'm singing Let It Go. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take it away, you know? So she's uh, she kicked me out of being my own lead singer. So, you know. I, I love that. Yeah, uh, I love that. I, yeah, there's there's times where, where one I can't sing, so I can understand when my daughter tells me, "Daddy, don't." But but it is funny to see what they they love and enjoy and um, and and how they get to that. Now, when you were younger, you got your first guitar at eleven. But yeah. did you always love music before then, or was that kind of the moment where you really got got into to music? How how did that go for you? You did some amazing research. <laughs> that is absolutely accurate. Yes, I got I got my at Christmas when I was 11 years old. I got a guitar. You know, I, looking back, it's always looking back that I see like, okay, I was probably a little more obsessed with it than my friends. You know, I was kind of like um, orienting my life around music and guitar playing and all that. But um, my mom plays guitar. And so there, there was always a, a guitar around. And honestly, I think she got sick of me, like, putting her guitars in danger, like messing with her guitars. <laughs> She's like, we just need to get you your own. And uh, there was really, the, the, the moment that was kind of like mind-blowing for me was in fourth grade, which I was 10, so the year before I got a guitar, um, sitting in the back of a Suburban, hearing... Sweet Home Alabama, which wasn't played in my house. It was kind of like, you know, it was even kind of a overplayed. I mean, not kind of. It was overplayed then, too. I mean, so it's it's this song that's like, I don't know how I avoided it for the first 10 years of my life, but I had never heard it, you know, and and um, I'd never heard something that was that like hooky with that Southern rock feel. And uh, I think I mean, I've said this before, but I think I may have drooled like I was I was like. Oh, what is what is this? And I think I, I had the audacity to think, I think I can do that. You know, I remember thinking, I think I can probably do that. Like, I could be into that. Uh, so, yeah, then got a guitar the next year, and that was the first song I learned was Sweet Home Alabama. And, I mean, like, did you, you know, you, you talked about it, you know, like maybe this is something I can do, but when did you kind of go, okay, this is something I really want to do, and, you know, kind of not maybe make it a career yet but you know go do gigs and things like that i i think that i was planning that before i had a guitar so i was like before when i when i was getting a guitar when i had asked for a guitar for christmas i was trying to get my friends like hey you should get drums you should get a bass and we're gonna make a band you know and it was like and of course they didn't you know they were like i just i'm getting a sega genesis game um but yeah, I was always trying to put a band together and and make rock music, you know, and and uh, uh, so I was always kind of it, it was never just honestly I don't approach anything like this where it's like oh I just have a little fun, you know what I mean? It's like if I I can't get it, I mean I can't get into something unless it's like could I potentially be a professional at this? Yes, okay, let's go bowling. You know, it's like, <laughs> like so it's, a, it's either zero or a hundred uh, pretty much. I have to watch myself with it, but yes, that's, that's pretty much it. But I, I think that there were kind of, you know, little, little moments that confirmed what I, what I thought of I'm heading that way. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just just moments and decisions along the way that, again, looking back, I go, I was clearly pointed that way and really, you know, pointed strongly in that direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, started, oh, just, and also I started playing gigs when I was like thirteen. Okay, so, yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, you you weren't kidding. It was zero or a hundred, and and yeah. this is what you were destined to do. And you know, you talked about like Sweet Home Alabama having that in, massive influence on you. I mean, what what other artists or songs or genres were kind of like influencing you along the way? I would say there was there was a couple that that are especially relevant now, but I, between eleven and thirteen, Blink One Eighty Two happened, and so I that that thirteen year old band was like every Blink One Eighty Two song. That's like what we played. <laughs> um, and then there was always you know growing up in Texas, there was Texas country, Corey Morrow and Pat Green and all those guys that. Um, it was interesting when I got to Nashville and found out that they weren't as famous there as they are here, you know, and it's like it's, Pat Green made a run at it and everything, and he's he's got had a couple of hits, but but even still, he's a legend down here. You know, it's like he's... Because it, it's... They, there was no um, disclaimer between, you know, George Strait and Pat Green because it was all happening on the same radio station. And so... Uh, I really gravitated towards the Texas songwriter types, um, lyrically, and I like the music too. But but um, I do think that was kind of the the first part of country music that that hooked me was those those Texas country guys. Well, and in the, as as your career progressed, you know, you were part of um, a group called uh, Mockingbird Sun. Yeah. But and I, I know reading up on you, um, you know, I did a deep dive. Uh, if you can't tell, you, you really did. You <laughs> oh, it's really gonna get better. Blown away. <laughs> it's gonna get better, because well, there was a turning point though in your career, and it happened recently when I believe your father passed away. What, yeah. What was so important about that, and what did it kind of, you know, give you some clarity on or or push you towards? You know, there there's an interesting thing that happens when you when someone close to you dies, and there's a real clarity about what matters, and. um I had been, I'm outside, there was a horn. Uh, I was, uh, I had been writing, after the band broke up, I had been writing songs for a few years and was really spending all my time doing that. And um, after my dad died, I I just looked at life and I thought, if I'm going to do it, it needs to happen. I need to stop waiting. You know, I kept waiting for something to kind of happen. And it was like, no, I just need, nothing's, nothing's in my way. Like, why am I? making up all these barriers in between me and being a, an artist. And um, it was amazing, you know, the process of putting out the first song, it was like, ah, it was like, yes, this is the part that I like. Like, what have I been doing? This is the part that I really enjoy. And so it was, it was like a homecoming for me. But um, yeah, the clarity you get when, when you lose a dad or, a, or somebody close to you is, um, it's it's really it, it, if there is an upside, that's it. Well, and, and you put out that first single, um, "Whiskey Take It Easy." Why, why yeah. was that your your debut solo song? Like, what what was it that you're like? This is the one that I've got to put out, and and show people who I am. You know, the the honest truth is, it's really just a gut decision. 
But uh, I will say that I think that I really like what happened production-wise on that song. I think the chorus hits really hard. And that's mm. kind of what I'm going for in my music is like tell a story, big chorus. Um, and that one just got there. You, you really can't plan that out. You always try for that. But, but sometimes it just comes together better than others. And that song to me is still, when I listen to it, I'm like, it's exciting to me. It, it's like, and when I would play it for friends, it got a reaction, you know, more than the others. So I went with it. <laughs> Well, I liked it. I, I enjoy it, and I think it was a great, great introduction. So, so I mean, were you lo- looking at a whole, uh, several other songs that, during that time too to figure out what would be number one for you? Yes. So I, <laughs> I had four. I had four ready to go, and they've all since come out. I had uh, "Whiskey Take It Easy." I had uh, "Everything But Love," which I did end up putting out second. Um, I had "Something About Airports," which was third, and I had "Outskirts of Grace." And uh, I didn't want to put Outskirts of Grace out in the middle of the summer. You know, when everybody's like on the boat, on their boat or with their windows down in their truck. It's like it's a heavy song. Um, uh, so I waited till the weather got cold and then I put it out. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it, it's awesome to hear hear those songs. And it's kind of fun to see the, the process of, you know, what what order you want to go in. But, too, you know, you mentioned you you you've you were previously with the band or and, yeah. and so forth how has how has your music differed from that time in your life and 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 maybe even further than that like writing and everything yeah i think that that country music has changed a lot since then you know the latter half of the band was really when the whole bro country thing was happening i did not expect that you know, when it happened, it, it was a totally different style of writing that has now been kind of completely incorporated into country music and, uh, you know, the, all those Florida Georgia Line songs, they're really clever, you know, and and that became a, you know, you started hearing that more. Um, but as far as the different stuff from the band, you know, the band really focused on vocal harmony. And so with my with my stuff i've only got one voice to highlight i still put a lot of vocals on my songs there's a lot of harmonies and stuff but it lets me go bigger bigger with the guitars and the drums and all that stuff which i really like um you know there's something about vocal bands vocal harmony bands that when you put that front and center it almost instantly sounds dated and that can be a really good thing you know it can be kind of familiar like an old Eagles record or, you know, Shenandoah or Restless Heart or something like that. Um, and also it can be uncool. I mean, it was both. So we had to walk that line as a band. And now it's like it's less of a decision because um, I know I'm going to go big with the guitars and the drums. Well, and, and you got a new single out. You mentioned it, uh, Be Somebody. Your daughter approved right off the bat. It's yeah, she loved it. Great, great, great song. It's one that can get stuck in your head. Can you talk about that and how it came together and and what led you to putting that one out? So uh, that was a song that I wrote by myself. Um, I'm not sure why I needed to do that, but I did. Um, You know, when I got to Nashville, I learned how to co-write. And it's a really different skill than writing by yourself. It's um, you talk through a lot of ideas and you 
um, try to end up at somewhere that you know with a great song but um, it feels really different than writing a song by yourself and I was worried I had forgotten how to write a song by myself because I was co-writing so much I was like I need to write one by myself and I need to write a good one by myself like I need to not quit until it's good and I, I really I wrote that song maybe five times four or five times and and um, you know have all different versions it would be hilarious to play them sometime but but uh, that could uh, be another know, TikTok. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and it's just, you know, it's it's kind of like the same idea, but like the lines are all twisted around, and it's like, why would you think that was the? Anyway, uh, I do think I ended up with the best the best version of it, but um, yeah, it was another one that that when I went to produce it, I had just a, that idea of, um, I've never said this uh, in public before, but um, when Meatloaf died. Uh, I was listening to his stuff and there are moments in his music that are so rock and roll to me. You know, they're so theatrical and huge and rock and roll. And uh, so some of the inspiration was Meatloaf. <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, the most mostly really worked hard on that lyric and really worked hard at writing one by myself and putting one out that was just a solo co-write. So, I mean, I, I was going to say, you know, when, when you're going through that writing process, one to do a solo is, is impressive. Cause I mean, now when you first start out, it's a little different, but I mean, like you said, you've been doing this professionally as a songwriter and, and co-writing and stuff like that. Was it, what's that process for you? Like when you're going in and, and writing, whether it's by yourself or with others, is it ideas, is it hooks or, um, I don't want you to give me the secret ingredient, but I mean, what's that process like? For if you? I knew it, I'd share it. <laughs> I don't. There, there is a part of songwriting that's still magic to me. That somehow it ends up being more than the words and the music, you know, put together. It's it, it, and it's about as close to magic I think as we have on Earth. Um, for as far as the process, I'm always listening for, looking for a song. Um, it comes from everywhere, you know, that you can turn almost anything into music and a song. It's just a matter of perspective on, and mood, you know, like, uh, seeing the humanity in, in a situation that you've never seen it in before, which is how airports came around or something about airports. My song, it was, it was zooming into this kind of incredibly human experience of being in an airport that is not fun. You know, it's like for my, for the most part. It's not fun. It's like everybody can't wait to get out of there. Nobody's like, yeah, we landed, but let's stay for a few hours. It's like, you, you know, you get out of there. And uh, so zooming into that and like, okay, what happens there? You know, and all these stories tangling up and then going their separate ways. But um, always looking for a hook or something to write about. And when I go actually like the actual process of going to co-write, I, uh, I always try to have ideas. I don't, I'm not a guy that has a ton of ideas. I write a lot of other people's ideas for the most part. Um, I feel like I'm good at pulling things together. It takes, it takes several kinds of co-writers to pull it off. And sometimes, you know, if you end up in the room with someone that does the exact same thing as you, you just kind of stare at each other, you know? And so like, they're kind of like, there are people that are like just fountains of creativity 
and it just starts coming out and you just got to write it down as fast as you can then there are people that kind of edit and go let's take that verse that line and this and then we got a chorus you know and so it's that's the really interesting thing about co-writing uh to me is the different personalities and how we find kind of the utility in each other um but i've got a i've got a list of little ideas in my phone you know in my notes app i was gonna say i mean do you have a notebook too or is it just the are you new 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 technology and it's in the phone so i was i was all about i love writing i actually really like writing things by hand it's a it uses like a different part of your brain than typing Mm -hmm. or whatever and so i think for kind of creating ideas or like getting the first little bit of an idea out i love to write but i was losing so many ideas because it was like oh i just write it down on this you know in this notepad that notepad and then it gets kind of misplaced or, or whatever it's like or it gets used like I'm writing down measurements for a construction project and I look back, I'm like, oh my God, there's a song right here. I don't even, you know, so just out of like trying to not lose songs, I started using computers and, and my phone and stuff like that. And I've, I've gotten used to it, but it was definitely a, a leap. Well, and you know, as you continue to, to build toward, toward things, I mean, you've got new music. Are we gonna see an EP, an album? What's what? What are we working toward here? I would love that. I would love either <laughs> one of those. I, I'm an album would really, really excite me. You know, it's such a different thing than than putting out singles. You get to kind of paint a more full picture as a piece of art. Um, I think, like, right now, I don't think I have enough interest. <laughs> to justify it, you know, the justify doing it. So if, if interest picked up, man, I would, I would absolutely love that. I would love to end up somewhere there. And, and, you know, like I said, I wrote for exclusively was writing songs for four years. And so I got a lot of songs and I'd love to put them all out. I don't, I don't want to keep any of them. It's just a matter of how do I get them out? Well, and as we go like full, full circle, I I have to ask, ask this how does one go from a punk rock band to country music <laughs> yeah yeah i you know it is it's a little bit hard to understand for me too uh there's still you know be somebody i think it has some punk rock energy you know um it's prettier than punk rock but i also scream in it if you listen to the background vocals i'm literally screaming be somebody tonight um I think that really the the as my two things happened one rock music at the time I was making it evolved into something that a lot of girls didn't like Mm. right so it was a bunch of angry guys at the shows and I was like this is okay and then I got a gig as a country guitar player at the urging of the guy that was teaching me how to play guitar and um, everybody was dancing everybody was smiling and having fun there were girls there you know, it was like, okay, this is way, this is like way better. Um, so between that, that's the first thing. The second thing is the songwriting. As I got more and more into lyrics and songwriting, it just pointed me straight to Nashville. There was really nowhere else. And I mean, what was that like coming up to Nashville? Because I mean, you're a Texas guy. What was that like, you know, taking the leap and going up to Nashville? Um, eye-opening. Very eye-opening. 
you know, you get up here and you realize how good everyone is. I mean, it was, so I went out, I went out to Broadway one of the first nights I was there and was listening to a band and I was like, okay, so it's Saturday night. These guys are not on the road, right? So you got to, you got so if you just do the math, okay, mm-hmm. most of the guys that are the top, top guys, they're out on the road. They've got a gig. They're out with Jason Aldean or whatever, you know, they're not down here. So I'm like, okay, so this is maybe still a team, but it's not the top. And these guys are amazing. Like I was like, I'm there. I don't have a chance. And I knew I had to, I knew I had to buckle down. You know, I thought, I thought, I do think that's the moment when people kind of pack it up. That that's the first, there's a lot of moments where people <laughs> pack it up, but I think that's the first one they go, I got no business here. And I definitely had that moment. I did find out later when I was, I was recording a demo at the ruckus room and recognized one of the guys from that set. And as it turns out, it was Reba McIntyre's band. <laughs> so that made you feel week. a little better. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> but it, it served its purpose, man. It made me buckle down big time, uh, to improve what I was doing, you know? You really, it just, you can't, it holds you up to the light. You just can't pretend. Well, and, and you know, as you kind of, you know, work towards everything and, you know, we're halfway through the year and, and you know, I'm sure you got some other things planned, planned for the rest of 2022. What, what can folks expect from you uh, the rest of the, the year and going forward? Uh, more music, always. Like I said, I got a lot of songs that are backlogged and I really want to get them all out. I'd love to put out a, quadruple album but it doesn't make sense to right now um i'm on tiktok which was a big shift for me you know i was kind of like ah, i'll never do that and i did and it's been awesome um i found an audience over there that has been incredibly receptive and cool to me uh so i live stream on tiktok quite a bit several times a week i'll get on there and play some songs um and booking some gigs, hopefully coming to wherever you are. I, I, I love that. And if, if folks want to find more, charlieberrymusic.com and charlie is C-H-A-R-L-I-E. Do you get mad if someone puts a Y in there or are you okay, okay with that and just go, eh, it happens? I don't know about mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be per- perturbed. <laughs> Nah, man. You know, it's I, I, I forgive a lot of spelling errors. I, I, I have to. <laughs> but I you can find to. him at charlieberrymusic.com. Also, all of his social handles are, he's very smart, Charlie Berry Music, all across the board. And I, and I love that. And, and Charlie, dude, this has been a blast. I appreciate you sharing uh, some a very hard drink of water and, yes. uh, and a lot of your, your, your journey. Tell us about the whiskey before we go. Tell what what's... What are you liking it is, about it? I, it's wonderful. You, I'll be honest. They're they're more known for their beer. If you've ever heard of gotcha. Dragon's Milk and things like that, okay. that's that's these guys. But surprisingly, for an eighty proof bourbon, it's got some flavor. I, I approve. I, I approve. I've I've cool. had a couple pours and. Um, I I need to probably behave myself as we uh, wrap up. <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. I got to go to work tomorrow, so I got to behave myself. True. <laughs> but, Charlie, man, this was a, a blast, and I appreciate the, the time. 
Dude, thank you so much. Thank you for the research you did. You, This was awesome. This was really cool. Thank you.